Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back, Couch Potatoes and TV Junkies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picked Up, the TV Pilot Review Podcast. My name is Robert, and I'm sitting here, as always, with my good friend, former roommate, and co-host, Rich. Mecca lecca hi, mecca hiney hiney ho. Yeah, no burying the lead on this one. <laughs> well... Hello, Richard. Here it is. It's a Friday night. We're sitting here about to be talking about some television. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, we are. Hell yeah. Uh, well, let's, just, let's just jump in. Let's get right into it. No uh, bullshit uh, yeah, this time. No bu- like, yeah, what, what were we talking about? Like politics for 20 minutes last time? Yeah, we did. Oh, that was fruitless. Yeah, no point there. <laughs> Not even going to go over the the, the, uh, the results. results. There no, you go. fuck it. Um, but... So what you what you been watching? What I've been watching, and I'm very <laughs> very happy and happy to focus on just one thing, that is one of the greatest television programs we've ever ever been privileged to be exposed to. Oh my god! On Hulu, yeah, there's about five seasons of The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. <laughs> yes, I'm. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm shocked. But I also don't know why it is on Hulu. It was like a PBS show, right? It is. It is. Um, yeah, it was produced at some affiliate in Muncie, Indiana. And uh, also, just to give a shout out, our Bob Ross, that's a Florida boy right there. Is he really? Yep. I uh, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, lived other places and sure. served in the military in Alaska. Um, and that sort of was one of his big exposures to nature. But yeah, that's a central Florida boy as well. Very, very, very happy to uh, report that. Well, damn. Yeah, he's great. But so, anyways, um, I don't even know. That, I don't even know if that constitutes television. It kind of does and does not. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's no different from the means we watch old shit that we watch today. That's so true. That's true. But it's just um, <laughs> what what spurred it on, and and how you liking it? It's fantastic. Um, you know. I'm not quite sure. I know that my folks had kind of watched it a little bit. And um, it's a great, like, are you familiar with, uh, what is it called? Like, ASMR? Like, that sort of movement? It wasn't until I got up here and you and Spencer told me about it. Yeah, it's like this movement. I forget. It's like asymmetrical meridian reflex or something. But anyways, yeah. it's all about, like, sort of calming um, and sort of almost meditative um forms of entertainment or, like or things like that and yeah, stuff, of like, stimuli like really yeah. meditative and relaxing stimuli like this would be one right here and rich rich is just gonna he's just rubbing a placemat he's just rubbing it with his fingers and it's very soothing and there's no rush there's no need to get up please don't turn off the podcast just hang with us and soon you'll feel very relaxed. And if you were listening on like the subway or the L train, you thought that your phone just died or something. Right, but it did. <laughs> so maybe that was one of my first sort of realizations <laughs> that people were really watching Bob Ross. Um, you know, there was a resurgence or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then so I just, I found that he was on Hulu and I love it. That show, that guy, it's no joke. It's like that guy was a really great human being. Yeah. He was a nice guy. He was a calm guy. He was he was in the Air Force, I believe, and he was um, 
what did he leave as? Like some sort of like a master sergeant or something. So wow. he was like a he self described like the guy who yelled at you. And a lot of people think that that's part of the reason why he was so chill later yeah. in life is that he hated being like a drill sergeant. Damn. Yeah. That's and, fucking nuts. Isn't that insane? And like all it is, and like, uh, so the show, for those who, who are unfamiliar, is this instructional painting show led yeah. by painter Bob Ross. Um, and he is the most positive, encouraging, and just gentle-hearted man who ever lived. He is uh, famous for happy trees. Happy trees. He's this groovy-looking white dude with groovy an afro. Groovy-looking, real big, fat just white fro it's great so the first time i ever like heard of bob ross or like heard a reference of bob ross uh was in uh i was in like junior or senior year of high school Mm -hmm. i was working at a toyota dealership okay and we got like tapped to, to paint this room upstairs like this big conference room or whatever and in high school, I had kind of this afro deal going on because my hair is the worst. It's a little kinky. It's it's kinky. It can get kinky. Yeah. Uh, it can get full on afro. Yeah. And so we're painting this room <laughs> and this one dude just starts like calling me Bob Ross and is like, hey, you over there painting your happy trees, Bob Ross? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know who that is. Yeah. And then like a year or two later, I saw Bob Ross. I'm like, oh, that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he was right. I get it. I get it. Also, on the uh, idea that Bob Ross is just like the nicest dude. Like if there was ever any dirt that was going to come out on Bob Ross, like it would have like we've passed that point oh, a absolutely. long time ago. Absolutely. Like there's no like David Carradine, like, you know, fucking autoerotic asphyxiation type <laughs> right. shit. Yeah. You know, like we would have heard about all this shit years ago. Yeah, yeah. He he passed away in ninety four, I think. So it's mm. been a long time, plenty of time for stuff to come out. And it's just not there. I mean, it just yeah. really is. Um the only time the only thing they really ever cut away from the painting to show is basically him interacting with animals. Like the way like a Disney princess would. <laughs> you know? He does. He feeds like baby squirrels. <laughs> and even like there was this there's one episode where like he went in and he's like he's no dummy either. He was talking about going in, and he's like, I worked up all my courage and I went in this enclosure with a fox. You know, like a you know, a pretty you know, could be aggressive animal. And this fox is just in love with him and like can't stop eating his hair. And he's just like the coolest about it <laughs> the entire time. Um, that is amazing. It's fantastic. And I encourage everyone to watch it. Also, find- I, I still can't get over the fact that it's all on Hulu. Yeah. There's actually, well, there's about five seasons, and of which there were like, and also season wise, it gets a little. The, the Joy of Painting ran for, I believe, like 11 years. Yeah. And so there are a lot of episodes. Like season three is like 74 episodes or some shit. Probably. And so what's on Hulu, I think, is five, like 25 episode seasons okay. from 90, 91, 92, like the latter yeah. half of it. Um, final thing I just wanted to add was I looked up on eBay. Like you can find Bob Ross originals. Sure. Yeah. And like I have my new like... That is like that would be my ultimate status symbol. I'm like that's. I, oh, you like this painting? This is. Oh, what's author- that over the mantle? Oh, I, oh that. Yeah. Oh, that beautiful landscape. It looks familiar. How does it make you feel? 
pretty happy. Yeah, pretty serene. That's an original Bob Ross. An original? An original. It cost me $20,000. $20,000? I don't know. I, uh, I, did, I, I saw like two or three on eBay, and they're up there. I mean, the, the one that was like multiple thousands was like huge and, mm. and beautiful. And I wouldn't Damn. regret it all if I had the money, but um, so that's been that's been the main thing I have been watching. That is great. Yeah, fantastic. How about you, Rich? <laughs> that's a lot more chill than what I've been watching. I've uh, <laughs> I finished uh, House of Cards. Okay. Uh, this is which, season four. Four. Yeah, the season was going like pretty well. It was exceeding my expectations by far. Um, and then it just like fucking got super bleak again and i'm i'm not looking forward to season five <laughs> it's so good at doing that wow um but yeah the season overall as a whole is, is, it, was, it was interesting it was it got a little bit it got back to some of the some of the like basic infrastructure that made the first like season and a half like interesting mm-hmm. of them just trying to like pull off shit that's just never been done. Do you mean like the the characters inside the show or the writers trying to do that the, with the characters the show? inside the show? Okay. And season four eventually ends up being based around trying do you, do you mind if I Oh please disclose whatever you like. Basically ends up being centered around trying to uh, not just get Frank Underwood reelected, or not not even reelected, elected, because he became president by fucking weaseling his way to vice president, and then weaseled his way to president. Okay, and then now he's running for election, and their whole end game is to get his wife Claire uh, on the ticket as, as vice president. Vice president, yeah. Which is like, it's like, whatever, but it's like, all right, how are they going to pull this shit off, you know? And so it's like, yeah, let me see you fucking try to write your way out of that. And then it's like, oh, all right, well, I guess so. Um, (laughs) The the issue I'll always take with that show is, are these the only two people that are lying, cheating, and stealing, and killing to, like, fucking, to work their way up the the ladder in Washington? Right. Everyone else seems, like, so fucking oblivious. And innocent, and it's like really frustrating, right? Yeah, you know, there's got to be equal, equal other machinations or whatever going on right now yeah. that would, you know, collide with whatever the Underwoods are exactly. trying to do. Yeah, the real Washington has thirty eight Frank Underwoods, yeah, like, fucking trying to do all the same shit at the same time, exactly. And they all cancel each other out, which is why we all don't go to hell right away, right away. Yes. <laughs> so that was what it was uh i also started jessica jones okay yeah how far did you get into it uh, a couple episodes okay cool uh it is fucking dark man yeah it is like too dark for me it's pretty bleak and it's it de- very bleak it just deals with some they're just topics that <clears throat> any any treatment of that really engages those topics at all it's like this is going to be tough. You know, it's yeah. like it, you really do need like almost an advisory for those. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're tough. I was going to sort of make a joke or whatever, but it's like, no, no not really. It's pretty tough. Like a tr- trigger warning or whatever they call it is like, yeah, this is going to deal with really upsetting 
plot elements. The only reason I even started it was because the second uh, season of Daredevil came out a few weeks back. Right. And I really wanted to watch that, but I had heard Rosaria Dawson's character shows up in um, in Jessica Jones. So I'm like, all right, I just got to get the full fucking thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two episodes in, I'm just like, I can't fucking do this. Yeah. I'm just going to go straight to Daredevil. Yeah. In full disclosure, I have not finished Jessica Jones. I didn't even got, I think I got two or three in. And I didn't stop on purpose or anything. But but I do think, I, that's, <laughs> I do think that there is a tendency, especially when you know, like, even for like a two-hour movie, when you know it's going to be like heavy, you're yeah. like, I'll watch that later. You put it off. You put it off. There's a reason why, like, if you have The Godfather on DVD, and it's movie night. Everyone's not like, "Yo, we gotta fucking hit up Godfather, dude." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Godfather, bro. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm gonna bring him some cannolis, and we can leave them. I think that is. I think you found a new character, Richard. <laughs> or film, film, bro. Maybe yeah. just like, yeah, just like a classic film, bro. Dog, we're gonna catch that Citizen Kane, son. Yo, dog. What you know about Sidney Lumet, dog? How much you wanna bet on Sidney Lumet? Come on, go fucks with it. Fucks with it. I'll dial M for murder and your mama. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good character right there. Everybody back off. That's riches. That's a good character. Get off my corner. But I totally um I can totally understand. That is something that, um, especially because I'm, I'm, I will be quitting my job soon. <laughs> I, uh, I think I'll probably be able to fit in some more TV time. Yeah. So, I Jessica Jones has been on the, you know, very high on the top of my list yeah. to like get through. And maybe I'll, uh, maybe for the sake of the show, I'll try and get through all that and report cool. back on it. Have you watched Daredevil, or have Not, you gotten to season two yet? No, I time wise, I just haven't had any fucking time totally. to watch any of this stuff. Same here. Um, she's been busy, busy, busy here. Totally, totally. Um, I did, however, get to see a live show, uh, last week. I, uh, uh, saw, I got tickets for me and my girlfriend, Katie, to go see the live stage show of, oh, hello. (laughs) If you're not familiar with George St. Geeglin and Gil Faison, they're characters played by John Mulaney and Nick Kroll uh, that they've done just kind of like everywhere. They're not like precious to one show or anything like that. They've done them. They've done those characters on Kroll Show, on Comedy Bang Bang. There was, there's, uh, they've, done, they've gone on talk shows with them. They oh, were on an wow. episode of The Bachelor Live. It was like The Bachelor post show. It's like The Talking Dead, but for The Bachelor. Uh-huh. It was the most bizarre episode. It was like Padgett Brewster. Paul F. Tompkins and fucking Kroll and Mulaney as Faison and St. Geeglin. Wow. And the the poor host didn't have any idea of what he was reckoning who's with. Who's his first guy? Who the, Who's the first guy you mentioned? Paul? Some, no, no, no. Paul, not before Paul. Oh, Paget Brewster. She's an actress. Uh, Paget? Yeah. Paget. Paget. Yes. Brewster. Yes. What's she been in? Um, She's... She's... Uh, 
done a she's popped up in a bunch of stuff. She's on Criminal Minds right now. Okay. Um, but she's like popped up in a bunch of stuff. She's friends with like, you know, all the LA comedians and shit. And, okay. Yeah. I will accept that. Yeah. And then uh, Paul F. Tompkins, who, if there's any guy who could like just like survive the cross dimensional rift, it would be oh for sure. Paul F. Tompkins. I don't think anyone has sort of like would be able to go from dimension to dimension better than him. Yeah. yeah. And not be mind melted by it. Yeah. Would just be like, yep, okay. I think he does so much of that already. Yeah. Like, oh, we're doing this now. Yeah. All right. He, the ultimate role with it. Dude. At least I'm dressed for it. Yep. That's right. All right. So these, uh, so. So yeah. So yeah. these characters, uh, they're like these like mid 70s, late 70s. New York, Upper West Side, old, Jewy, effeminate, like, guys that have, like, lived in the same rent-controlled apartment okay. in New York for, like, the last 45 years. Sure. And, you know, they kind of do the thing, and they kind of, they're just, meh. And it's weird. It's, like, a really thin gimmick. This started as a bit. It started as just a this bit. clearly a bit between them, friends. Yeah, between friends, just, like slipping into like an elderly new yorkers like accent okay and them just fucking running with it right uh they're most known for their prank show too much tuna in which they prank people by completely telegraphing the fact that they're about to get a sandwich with way too much tuna and let's not you know be hasty it is a lot of it's it is too much tuna Okay. It's always like... Like an upsetting amount? Like a volleyball-sized amount of tuna. <laughs> That's funny. It is. And you end up laughing at it like in spite of yourself. And the characters, again, like it's a thin gimmick, but I can't shit on it because uh, my Vince Russo on Podswoggle is the same fucking gimmick. Uh, and so Katie's a huge John Mulaney fan. Yeah. Gigantic. Yeah. So I got other tickets for Valentine's Day, and we go to the show. Not ex- not having any clue of what it actually is. Yeah. They had an off Broadway run a few months back, and then they started taking the show on tour. Yeah. Which this this won't benefit any listener outside of the city. But where is the theater? Like I saw the name of the theater, but the, I'm not familiar. The with Athenaeum it. Theater. It's um. Do you know where the uh, uh the Golden Apple Diner is? Yeah, so like on South Lincoln? Lincoln. Yeah, yeah okay. it's like right across the street from there. Okay, cool. So Which, I didn't realize this. Right, like just down the street, there's a Scientology Center. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real, dog. You want to go get some e-meters done? Oh my god, that's yeah. that's uncomfortable. I'm yeah. riding my bike by there. Yeah. Ugh. Um. So yeah, so I had no idea what the show was gonna be, and it starts out. As them just kind of doing some banter and some bit. And it's like, okay, this is going to be like a two-person show. Like, they introduce themselves, give themselves some backstory, so on and so forth. Um, And then they start kind of, like, taking the piss out of theater and, you know, pointing out some, like, theater tropes and, like, things that you would see in, like, a straight play, you know? Not, like, the the Broadway musicals that you go to see, but, like, you know, the plays that James Earl Jones is doing and Mm -hmm. shit like that. Okay. Uh, Like Fences? Shit like that, yeah. Just like, you know, the move where they always take the phone and then they like say all the expos they repeat everything that's happening on the other end of the phone. Sure. And other characters react to it. Uh-huh. That kind of shit. Rather than just be like, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you probably would and be they're on just like phone. making fun of it and stuff like that. And then it actually turns out uh, it's going to be a play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and there's a lot of like in and out of reality and stuff like that. A lot of like audience participation. They grab people from the audience, so on and so forth. Um, and again, very like thin, very simple gimmicks or whatever, but it's committed to so hard. The costumes are so, and the, the makeup and the costumes are so fucking great. Mm-hmm. And it's so well written. A lot of great jokes. Cool. A lot of great fucking jokes in that show. Um, I don't know how many other dates and shows they have throughout the country, but look it up. I think it's oh hello show, uh, dot com or you know find them on on social media. Go check out the show. It's very very funny. At the end, they do a uh, an in character Q and A. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and that was pretty fun. Katie got a, a question in and. For good questions, they um, Nick Kroll is legitimately sponsored by Take Five Candy Bars. Yeah. And so they would like throw out Take Fives for good questions. It was a great show. It was a fucking great time. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. It looked like a fun time and two uber talented guys. Yeah. And, um, great candy bar. Great candy bar. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it. I think I probably mentioned it on the show uh, around the time it happened, but I was privileged enough to attend with... Uh, one of our friends, uh, Andrew Zangri, to see the Christmas Eve set that John Mulaney and Amy that's Schumer did. Right, that's yeah. right. And uh, Schumer, you know, whatever, fine, you know, either way. But man, Mulaney is a is a assassin yeah. in terms of skill. I mean, what a! I really would love to talk to him, and you know, obviously because he seems a genuinely funny person. But I, you know, here's the thing: I never quite got. Seinfeld as like a stand-up and maybe I just haven't spent enough time trying to look at it sure. but I could understand just like someone who just picked up the skill set immediately and yeah. that to me is what Mulaney is he's like he's hilarious for sure but just like the the skill set is just there yeah it's like he was born to do it so and awesome we're gonna look back in however many years at his sitcom at Mulaney and just See what a fucking just abnormal abnormality that was. Yeah, because he's knocked everything else he's done out of the park. Yeah, and I was thinking about last night. How in the fuck was that show that bad? You know, there's a really really excellent article in Wire uh, just recently, and uh, another friend, former TSFer Sammy Main, posted this on Facebook, and I read it. Um, it was from Wire, and it was all about all the like the four guys from, uh, or the four the main guys from uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, and more than that, just how the nature of comedy now is much is just so multifaceted, and that so many people are supporting themselves in many different ways. Just yeah. again, like Nick Kroll, you know, main part on the league, just like uh, um, Paul Shear would be, but also these are guys who do they're talented enough to do stand up, to do mm-hmm. writing. Um, Tons of podcasts, things yeah. like that. So um, it is, and and it brought attention to how the the old ways are are pretty much all but done. And Mulaney's sitcom is definitely like, like you said, an abnormality. Both of like, it was like their last great shot to try and incorporate today's comedians into an older format, and yeah. it just did not work. And know? it has to come from a place of like, of. That's what success was to me yeah. when I was coming up. Yes, when I was, what I was striving. <laughs> that's what I was striving to attain, and then I could attain it. But 
the whole landscape has changed. Exactly. The viewership, but even the though, landscape. There's still good shows, though. Like, yeah. That, that's the part that's, that's freaking me out so much about it is how does a talented person, a charismatic person, a smart person, have that happen? I don't know. We will never know. I think I think we just need to recognize that, like, we have less control than we think we do. Sure. That, that so many in life, and but also a lot in art, that just it's a confluence of elements coming together really well, you know. And you can't as you do your best to sort of give yourself the best chance, but then it just doesn't come together sometimes. Yeah. And it just stands in such strong just juxtaposition, uh, Mulaney against. His buddy, Kroll Show. Right. Which was just this, just frontline doing whatever, like, they were just following what felt right. Right. And they were, you know, using all sorts of, there wasn't any show like it on television. Mm. It did three three seasons, and they're out. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, something uh, similar. I, I don't think we've addressed before. You know, and might need to in a future show. But the Lucky Louie sitcom, right? You know, just the fact that, like, right. hey, everybody uh, who loves Louie, you know, that he made like a multicam that, like, just on di- HBO, on HBO that didn't work. Yeah, and that was like, I don't, I, I'm not going to say this for certain, but I think that was like right before his renaissance of like that failure. I think really pushed him to be yeah. like, all right. We got to get back out doing some good uh, stand up. And then that was like the launch pad yeah. for Louis Part, I don't know, two or whatever. He was trying to do basically like a multi cam honeymooners, but with the tone and tenor and like sp- plot lines of Louis. Yeah. Which. Again, didn't. It just, it just, work. It just fucks you up. It's unsettling. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I remember watching. Have you ever, have you watched any of those? Only clips, not like a full episode. I remember like catching a full episode and the whole thing was just like very unsettling, which maybe was what he was going for. Yeah. But it, man, it was, it was fucked up. Yeah. So, uh, did you ever see the, the episode of Louie where they kind of like address Lucky Louie? And it's Bob Saget uh, ends up playing him on the sitcom. No, I haven't. It's no. pretty great. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I also watched the pilot episode of Fuller House. Okay. Um, I just wanted to watch the first one because that's the one that everyone was in. And then it becomes its own show after that. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. But it was a, it was a good reunion episode. Okay. It was good. Uh, another thing, kind of like a couple things in my life. Uh, the other notable one I think is probably the biggest is the Fresh Prince. But like... That was not a part of my life. Full yeah. Full House and Fresh Prince, but definitely Full House. I have no feelings one way or the other yeah. and no interest. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That I mean, you know, it was very time like it was just you had to be the right place, right time. Yeah. Yeah. Um so speaking of speaking of things that were important when yeah. you were younger. For real, man. Let's get to Rich's pick for this week, uh, which if you are not a regular listener of the show, Rich always discloses uh, the following episode's pick in the elevator pitch that he does, um, which are fantastic. And thank you, Rich. You know, 
Richard is, uh, again, the the production side of this podcast, and I know he takes a lot of time to make sure it gets out and it gets out on schedule. And, uh, yeah, so thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Don't ever, uh, don't ever sell yourself short for doing those things because they're yeah. great. Um, but this week's pick was from 1986, Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> so, so, so what's your background with Pee-wee? Um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay. Um, big, okay, so uh, it, the, good question and appreciate it, actually. I, I, it made me realize that the um, early Tim Burton was sort of a big part of my life because uh, if you know sure. anything about me, the significance of Batman is huge in my life. And 1989, Tim Burton's Batman, uh, absolute, you know, real integral part of me growing up. And then I think that led to my exposure, my phantom for Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, to Beetlejuice, which is also, man, let's get to this before we wrap up, if sure. we can. Thoughts on Beetlejuice 2, if it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like every year for the past, like, seven years, Michael Keaton would be getting interviewed for something. Right. And, and say he'd be down. And he'd say, I'm just like, yeah. Not just be down, but let's, game. Let's do it. He's yeah, game. I'm game. I've been wanting to do this for years. I remember hearing... Originally, the sequel for Beetlejuice was like Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii or some right. shit. Like the the script yeah. that thankfully like, didn't get made. Now that Michael Keaton has like come back as a legitimately like yeah got some clout and 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 recognized an accomplished actor. Like maybe maybe don't. That's the thing. It's so weird, and I feel like that that one could work, but also it's like. We just got to kind of cut it out with nostalgia, which actually yeah. is a point I'm going to get back to later I'm, in this episode. I'm as fine well. with that. Um, yeah. uh, it, it has its place. Nostalgia has its place. Yes. I think that's going to be a theme for this episode. Sure. I picked up. Uh, so I feel like they could have gotten away with a Beetlejuice 2 uh, up until and after Birdman. Mm-hmm. But not after, after Spotlight. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, no, that's all right. Uh, no feelings either way, but or not, not that. And uh, what's the ambivalent feelings? Yeah. It's like both. I could be for it either way. I also wouldn't want Tim Burton to direct it either. Yeah, he's an asshole. Right? I want like fucking Joss Whedon to direct it. Yeah, like for the same reasons, J.J. Abrams made a better Star Wars movie than George fucking Lucas ever did. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, thanks for all this cool shit um, that you started. I'm going to take this yeah. and make it better. I would I would let Tim Burton do it. I just need him to be 25 years younger yeah. than he is right now. And have made a, a, a movie based on an original thought right. of his in the past 25 years. Yeah, totally. Sense, like, that's a fun yeah. game to play. Yeah, since fucking Mars Attacks or something. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Um. Anyways, sorry anyways. for the diversion. But I, I don't know what year this was. Would it have been 88? When's Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Because I think that was prior to, or maybe that was 89 and just prior to Batman. No, he couldn't uh, fit all that shit in at once. Because Pee-wee is Burton's first major film, right? Yeah, I like, believe so. That if you don't count like Frank and Weenie. Well, that was a short. Right, anyway, exactly. So. Yeah. If you don't count Frank and Weenie, I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure is my first real uh, exposure to Paul Rubens mm -hmm. and Pee-wee Herman. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, 85. Oh, wow. That's yeah. older than I thought. So uh, that's my my history. Didn't grow up watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, didn't ever really see Big Top Pee Wee. 
but love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's a great movie. It is. That's a really great movie that holds up. I watched sure. that watched that about three months ago. Yeah. Holds up well. It really does. Yeah. Paul Rubens, uh, uh, comedian, improviser, I believe out in L.A. in the Groundlings first debuted the Pee Wee Herman character. That's where the character was incepted. Yes. And, and it was its own stage show. Yes. For quite some time. Uh, I can actually yeah. tell you exactly how long right now. So, actually, you know, I was thinking that Pee Wee's Playhouse came out after... Pew's Big Adventure. Did it come out? It or did. actually, yeah. I, I meant to say, oh, the I thought movie. it came out before yeah. the movie, but it came out after the movie. Correct, yeah. Wow. The, the show was started in 1980, the, the, the stage show. Yeah. Um, and Or 1981. It was being developed in 1980. Um, so, yeah. So, the character of Pee Wee Herman has existed. <laughs> 80, 90... 2000s, 36 years. Yeah. 36 years. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Talk. I, I, I don't even know where to begin on like how impressive that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like he didn't try to do other shit. Right. You ever seen Blow? I've never seen Blow. I heard he's great. He is fucking fantastic in Blow. Yeah. He's acting like against like. Not that I'm all that impressed with like Johnny Depp, but I think he's a good actor. But like Paul Rubens is like the best part of Blow. He plays Man, like fucking Tim Burton came to that scene probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> I bet he did. That motherfucker. Oh man. Oh, you're not a motherfucker. I feel like that would hurt Tim Burton's feelings. You're a you, motherfucker. Even if he doesn't know who I am and I'm nobody, but if I called Tim Burton a motherfucker, I think it would hurt his feelings. And I don't want to do that. So I don't mean that, but but get your shit straight. Yeah, man. But this is not about him. Again, back to Paul Rubens. Holy yeah. shit. Um, so that's my exposure. Let's get to your exposure because you have some. Yeah, for sure. I um I grew up watching the show. Okay. Um because it was le a le it's a legitimate kids show. It's the only thing out of the entire Pee Wee Herman oeuvre that's purely like targeted at kids yeah like real appropriate like the kids. stage show was for adults mm -hmm. and the movie was for grown-ups yes you know and kids could watch it it was kid safe it's kid friendly it's that beautiful 80s kid safe where it's yeah. like it sprinkles in things that are totally not cool for sure but but it's just like hey this is gonna help you learn and grow and have weird hang-ups later but and just deal with it that big birth <laughs> scene always fucked me up oh my god it's totally cited as yeah. like the the scariest like film scariest scenes in non-scary films yeah. yeah for sure yeah um and and so but watch the show a lot yeah um uh, i remember my parents being fans of the show i had a uh, a toy cherry yeah it was just like this little foam like kid chair but i used to uh you know i had it it was a chair so i sat in it but also uh, back when I was still like afraid of the dark, um, and like they were trying to get me off of nightlights, uh, uh, I, I would have my parents like use cherry to like prop open the door a little bit, like wedge it open so it would stay open just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was also, God, I don't think I've told anybody this before. Okay. But it was also strategic. 
uh, because if there was ever like a zombie uprising in the middle of the night and there were zombies coming down the hall, uh, they would trip over Cherry. I would know. I would hear them because the door was slightly open. They would trip over Cherry, and that would give me enough time to uh, open my window and jump out of it. Nice. Which surely there would be more zombies outside, but I didn't think of that at the time. How old is this, Richard? I'm like four. Four, yeah. <laughs> and that's his game plan. Yeah. You know that's awesome, but you know I think we I think we just forget that we all have those game plans as kids. Yeah, we all are like we have all those game plans as adults. Yeah, yeah, but really, like we think, oh, you know, kids. It's like no, kids are thinking about this type of stuff. Yeah, zombie outbreaks. Uh, we also had a, a Pee Wee Herman uh, pull string doll yes. as well, uh, which after he got arrested for. A decent exposure in a dirty movie. Right. Uh, our parents had fun with that. Yeah. Um, they like took his pants off and shit. It's like, come on. Yeah. You know, that would probably be a pretty early, not exposure to him, not like fully understanding what went on. But like, I do remember sort of hearing about that. Yeah. I remember I, I never exactly, I, I, I never knew exactly, exactly what happened. Yeah. What he did. But it was kind of weird. Yeah. But then also, like, someone so reasonably was like, it was not like he was nailing kids. It was no. like he was in a dirty movie, yeah. like you said, doing what you do in a dirty movie. Exactly. And probably not the best look. No, no. <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing is like when you create a character. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it wasn't originally for kids. Right. But it probably reached its its most popular hype as a children's TV show. Yeah. Like you can't fuck, you can't fucking, you can't fuck up and get caught there. Yeah. Same thing for like Mr. Rogers. He couldn't, he couldn't have gotten caught there. No. But if Ron Jeremy got caught fucking slapping his ham and masturbating <laughs> in, a, in a porn theater. Yeah. Like no one would fucking blink twice. Yeah, no one would care. You know? Totally. Uh, so it's just one of those things where it's just like, ah, like, you, that, uh, you're gonna get extra heat, yeah, for what you do, yeah, because of because of the image that's been crafted, yeah. which I think, again, because this this show ran a few seasons and many episodes, is arguably like, again, it, it's not like the first or the most significant version of Pee Wee, but it's definitely like the most voluminous. You yeah. know what I mean? And it introduced the sort of the whole world of Pee Wee with all these other characters, mm-hmm. which is another big mainstay from from this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it ran five seasons, 46 episodes. Wow. Um, That's a there lot. There was one season that had like just like three episodes because of a strike that happened. I think it was like 88. Uh, it was like a writer's strike or something. Um, but so after that happened, it all sort of like died. Uh, and then he tried to, you know, get into some more legitimate acting like in Blow, Mystery Men, uh, which, like, between Paul Rubens and Kel Mitchell, like, I really like that movie. Me too. But they're, like, trying the, the hardest with the least to show for it. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know. And mind you, their characters aren't the best. No. The, the what is it? The, the spleen. dude and, like, the spleen. And, yeah. Invisible something. Boy. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> uh, movie I like a lot. Not necessarily... I don't know. I don't know how much I'd go to bat for it in terms of how great it is, but I love it. I 
fucking go to bat for that movie, especially since it came out like before before all of the them. whole hero thing. Yeah. And fucking love my Hank Azaria in that. Hank is it's a blue dog. Raja. Oh my god, I love that. Term. Hank Azaria, William H Macy, Janine Garofalo, Ben Stiller, obviously. Mm-hmm. Fucking Jeffrey Rush as Casanova Frankenstein. Yeah. Greg Kinnear as uh, Captain Amazing or whatever it is. Yep. With all the sponsorship. He has like Rayo- Rayovac battery logos on him. Yes, he does. That's brilliant. Yep. Super early Dane Cook appearance. Yes. Um, Who else we got uh, You have... Uh, uh, is that... Uh, who's the guy... Who's the guy in Battlestar and... It's not Edward... Is Edward James almost the Sphinx? Or no? Maybe, uh, maybe not. Don't think so? Maybe not. But kind of looks like. Also, you have uh, the Goody Mob in there as the not so Goody Mob with yeah. a fucking <laughs> early uh, CeeLo Green the uh, appearance. So yeah, mob. I fucking love that shit. Forgot about that. Uh, I fucking love that movie. It's it is good. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, and it was very prescient, man. Like as to what was gonna happen. That's a really great. <clears throat> that whole like it is an adaptation of a comic, but it. And, and Tom it, Waits. Yeah. Tom Waits is in that fucking As like movie. the weaponeer. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Non-lethal weaponeer. Yep. Non-lethal. That's a great adaptation. It's a great adaptation of stuff. Like it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like, it is a very comic movie. Yeah. Like uh, all of it. It's, it's got all the beats that became a formula after the fact. And by after the fact, I mean not because of this movie. Yeah. But it has like the... The uh the 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 um like it's got the uh, fucking what's what do you call it? like the costume upgrades? Yep. You know it's got the 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 fallouts. Yep. And then the reuniting. Yeah, it's great. Oh, God damn. Uh, so Paul Rubens was in that. Yes, he was. Um, and and then pretty much dormant until like a few years ago. I heard that. Uh, he was doing the Pee Wee Herman show again, like on Broadway or off Broadway, maybe. Right. I think right before that really kick-ass turn in the first season of 30 Rock as like this Austrian. This, like, oh, for real? Red Aust- yeah. This is in like, the, are you familiar with this? No. First season of 30 Rock, um, they go to like some gala for a prince. He's like the last of the Habsburgs. He's super inbred. <laughs> <laughs> and it... It's a fantastic, like, one episode appearance, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes total of seeing him, but it's great. He's a super talented dude, he and that is. doesn't surprise me in the least. And yeah. it's not like it's a shame that he has to keep going back to this character because the character still finds a way to... One, well, still finds a way to uh, be entertaining mm-hmm. and, and not be, like, overkill. Uh, but also... Like he still looks like Pee Wee Herman. He does. Like he can still pull off the look. He does. I did watch. See, we, we gotta get more to the show because, like, as, like this has all been. Well, I want to kind of like span the the history, right? And, well, then, and then he did the he did the show again or the yeah. stage show again. Yeah. And and what I watched almost like coincidence, uh, also was the new Netflix film. That's what I wanted to get to, which right. was I, I remember seeing that originally. Um, uh, announced as like being produced by Judd Apatow. Yes. Um, 
Have you seen any of it at all? Or? Yeah. I was, sort of fell asleep to it last night, like I do often things. Uh, but I saw like 40 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, I didn't super dislike it. Yeah. It, did, it definitely made me have an appreciation for, for Playhouse and Big Adventure. Okay. Um, and I think that's because he still looks like Pee Wee. He can't really sound like Pee Wee anymore. Really? He can't. It's wow. like the whole vocally, I think you come to understand how much effort it took sure. to do that. There's a reason why Bobcat Goldthwait yeah. don't talk like that anymore. Exactly. And so again, I, I would never use Pee Wee's big holiday, whatever it's called, as like, oh, this is shitty or anything, but it's like he's old. Also, if if it were me, I would have taken it a different direction. I would have just acknowledged that Pee Wee is old. It kind of sure. does acknowledge that Pee Wee is older, but it kind of doesn't. Right. And I would have full on. I think that that character is rich enough and Rubens is talented enough that you could have done more to acknowledge that Pee Wee is older than he was. Yeah. And have like a much more meaty sort of thoughtful, funny script than just like. Like a Are, little wiser. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Then just a rehash of like sure, the old stuff. The one, the one thing that I was, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I did make it a point to check out the cast list on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to see that it wasn't just chock full of like celebrity cameos and shit like that, which yeah. I felt like it, that could have been an easy route yeah. for them to go and just like pack it full of like cameos and everything, which I feel like would have been easy for them because... I feel like Pee Wee Herman, the idea of Pee Wee, is something that comedians and people like in showbiz just have a huge and astounding like respect and and awe for. Like people that do it fucking love Pee Wee. Yeah. Whereas I feel like that might not be the case for for everything with everyone else. Yeah. Like everyone loves Pee Wee's Big Adventure, sure, and Pee Wee's Playhouse, but like. They don't fucking know, like, Pee-wee was a fucking adult stage show. Yeah. And shit like that. Right. You know? Um, and, you know, it just goes to show, like, Judd Apatow, he's had zero, you know, relationship with that character at all before this. Mm-hmm. Fucking. Wants to uh, yeah. collaborate and produce something. Yeah. yeah totally. You know? And certainly a big reason why. It happened. Yeah. You want to talk again, like, you know, I sort of like follow the clout again of someone, and it's like Apatow putting some weight behind something is probably why that got off the Absolutely. ground. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to the fucking show. Yes. To the show to begin with. This uh, episode was with. called Ice Cream Soup. Ice Cream Soup. First episode, first season, 1986. Yeah. What'd this air on? This aired on CBS. Interest. This was a CBS uh, Saturday morning, a Saturday morning children's program on CBS. What time on Saturday morning? Um, probably I mean, can't figure that out. Yeah, it probably like jumped around here and there. Um, What's the optimal Saturday morning time slot? What is like the prime? I mean, because it is a block and you'll yeah. sit down and you'll watch, but like there's the start of it and the end of it. But then like, what is that like? For me, it was like... For me, the earliest was like nine. Okay. Prime Saturday morning prime time for me as a kid was like ten. Okay. Yeah. I think I would probably fall a little early. Thinking that would start at eight or even seven thirty. Totally starts at eight. Starts at eight. And I would just straight up miss a lot of cartoons. Right. You would. And that's why I think like I think 
nine at the earliest would be like that's your prime number one show. Yeah. So, uh, some pretty cool stuff. Um, this show is incredibly multimedia, especially for yeah. 1986. I a thought that popped in my head as I was watching it was. They fucking employed a lot of people that got to do some craft. They did. That you can also see at the end of the episode when they start doing the credits. Yeah. There's fucking 8,000 people in the credits. A lot of blue screen, a lot of puppeteering, a lot, of a lot of claymation. Yes. Fucking, I forgot all about Penny, dude. Costume and makeup. Yeah, so did I. But I recalled her as soon as I, I saw recall- her. I was like, Penny. for the last like 20 years, I, I feel like I remembered Penny as, as, one of those Nickelodeon interstitials. Mm-hmm. Completely wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so that was cool to see. Um, and just all the characters. And they do like a great job. Because again, in the first episode, you have to do so much. And introducing all these characters is one of them. And they did a great job at the beginning with the extended opening of just showing you. Yeah. All the characters that you're going to meet. They do. Throughout the episode and throughout the time this is doing a thing. Wanted to bring up too. Huge fan of that opening song. Uh, oh yeah, because it's just like a lot of work. Like not repeating a verse, uh, done in like a real like a Harley Quinn type accent. Loved it. Do you know who uh, you know who did that? Uh, opening and uh, closing theme. Cindy Lauper. No. Mark Mothersbra. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is awesome. And he did the music for the the new film too. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, as I was looking through this, I, uh, uh, noticed that this show attracted a lot of really cool musical artists mm-hmm. to like do songs for the show. I'm going to list a few off right now between, okay, Mark, Mark Mothersbro, Danny Elfman, who like, they have a, a connection, I believe. Uh, what band was it they were in or something like that? Wingo Boingo. Uh, yeah. Well, that was definitely that was definitely definitely Elfman's. Yeah. Mothersboro was, was in, in Devo. Devo, that's right. So yeah. yeah. Um fucking uh Todd Rundgren, uh George Clinton. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh and and the one that stood out the most to me was Dweezil Zappa. Oh wow. Uh, did some did some composing for the show too. Yeah. Very cool. Fucking cool as shit. Yeah. Um and so I, man, the set decoration. I couldn't get over just the 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 detail just given to like every wall, every corner, every nook, every cranny. It's like when you walk into like a vintage toy shop or a vintage, you know, collectible shop and it's just chocked full. I mean, it spans eras. There's, you know, there's 50s, nostal- you know, memorabilia versus like contemporary stuff. And like you said, it's everywhere. Yeah everywhere and it it, the way it's shot it gives it like this full realized lived in feeling for such a crazy concept but it's it's single cam it makes it feel like it's all in one place and the camera work too like oh you know if you notice there was a couple times where it was like this really cool like steady cam shot Mm -hmm. where like just like come in on on like on peewee's face I fucking the first time i noticed i'm like good god damn that's a great shot that's pretty cool yeah a lot of great transitions. Yeah. A lot of uh, just, again, very happy that this show started pre-CGI. Again, For sure. Again, this is another thing, and this is something that, you know, I talk about a lot in my personal life, but I probably hit upon a couple times. Just practical effects stand the test of time. 
And again, you know it's claymation. You know, yeah. you're not being tricked to think it's reality, yeah. but that's not the point. But it looks great. And again, any, you know, like you said, the green screen, uh, green screen transitions, all this stuff done so well. Um, how much? So uh, CBS originally approached Paul Rubens with like a, apparently a terrible cartoon series proposal. Okay. Um, and eventually what ended up coming to fruition, which is pretty cool, uh, uh, the cartoon segments, like those are all like public domain cartoons. Yeah. So they like didn't have to pay for them or anything like that. You can tell too. Yeah. They're just so old and so fucking random. Uh, yeah. So they eventually came to this show uh, and he had full creative control. How do you swing that? I have no idea. This is even crazier. How much would you say the budget was for a single episode? In 1986, for an order of, per episode, shit. Um, I feel uncomfortable saying any large number, $20,000? I don't know. $325,000 per an episode. episode. Holy yeah. shit. It's a, and that's that's about the amount that a primetime sitcom would get. Wow. Yeah. For a Saturday morning They went cartoon. all in. Non-cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What else was and, on? Like, well, and, and I don't know. What I, that's what I was going to say is like, you fucking see it. It's all on the screen. Yeah. Like, they didn't waste any money in that. No. But I was still shocked when I saw that. It's almost like a, what's it called? Brewster's Millions? It's like, yeah. they, they, like you said, yeah. not only did they not waste it, they had to spend $325,000 every episode. That's why there's so much shit in that house. <laughs> they just had to buy, what is that? Well, oh, that was the fucking, the big boppers jukebox. Yeah, get it. <laughs> Just put it there. <laughs> I don't care if you have to buy a thrift store. Yeah. Uh, I will. I, I do want to say just for me, and it, I think we're sort of heading toward it. Personal taste-wise for aesthetics, this is one of my least favorite. I don't like the, I love a very streamlined simplicity, like uh, just aesthetic. And so, personally, I don't like, like, I would hate to fucking live in Pee Wee's house. Whoa. I'd hate that. <laughs> yeah. Like any normal person, but I really would. Even if, yeah. even just walking through it. Like, if there was, like, a museum exhibit that was like, you want to see Pee Wee's house? It'd be like, no. I have zero interest. Because I don't like that aesthetic at all. Yeah. I don't like, it gives me, like, a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, I could see like getting anxious. Yeah, exactly. It I could see that. I think it's probably just a just at its simplest is just too much stimuli. Yeah. Uh, but that said, it fits perfect, and it right. is perfect for this show, and needs to be admired both for the production value that it uh, that it presents and just how appropriate it is. Uh, and also, not that we're like cracking any like secret gems or anything like that, but. You also get a look at, at Phil Hartman, who yes, also did Groundlings, uh, and that's where they met, as Captain Carl. Uh, you also get a look at Lawrence Fish, Fishborn mm -hmm. as fucking uh, Cowboy Curtis. Yeah. Uh, he was great in the episode. Yeah. And you meet some of the, the, the characters, such as, as those two, but also Missy Vaughn, mm -hmm. the King of Cartoons, yep. Jombie. 
Um, and then of course all the fucking inanimate and, objects. Yeah, all the other objects and puppets in the house. and everything. Um, that's fucking crazy, right? The fucking Lawrence Fishburne and, and absolutely and Phil, Hartman. And Phil Hartman. Yeah, that's, that's uh, that is legitimately nuts. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think about what it was because the the few other times that we got like children's programming on the show. Mm-hmm. And we talked about like, well, it teaches them this or it teaches them that and da 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 da. I'm trying to think about like what exactly is this like positing towards a young, impressionable, spongy mind? Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's not like they did any like math. It's not like there were any big moral lessons or anything like that. Right. Not um, like Pee Wee's like a, a copyable role model. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, at all. I wouldn't even say he's bad necessarily. It's just like you can't. He's just a weird. He's, he's like a cartoon. A, he's a sprite. Yeah. yeah. He's like a weird thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there was a quick cooking lesson on how to make ice cream soup. Yeah. Uh, so what was it? And it hit me in a way that, like, there just isn't this anymore. Uh-huh. This, for me, anyway, as a kid, it, it helped me tap into my fucking imagination. Yeah. And just think about shit in ways that I, I would not ever think about it if I didn't watch that show. Yeah. You know? It's like, why not have all your food in the freezer doing a nice show? Yeah. You know? Like, uh, why not have, you know, dinosaurs living in a mouse hole? Yeah. Like, there's no logic towards any of that stuff. But, like, because all the other parts work so well and, like, it looks so good and... It's just automatically this fucking wild, wacky world mm-hmm. is very imaginative. Yes, it is. And and it just, I don't know, man, it just all fucking worked. I would totally agree. Um, I had the thought that I didn't feel like this was, I felt like this was good for kids. And I wouldn't, I didn't want to use the verbiage that was playing to their intelligence because it's not really, but the exposure. Yeah. In in no with no irony and nothing like that like it's it's got like a cartoon probably from the 30s or 40s yeah it's got like it's time to dance but then it's like got a go go dancer like a clip yeah. of go go dancers in the <laughs> 60s you know um, and like you said just the uh, the the leaps in in thinking that to an older or closed mind would seem so wacky or just like, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course, like you said, the food is skating in the fridge because it's cold in the fridge. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh, in this in this house, that like everything is alive. Yeah. Uh, also, to an older and closed mind, they'd see the king of cartoons and go, he can't be a king. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know that. <laughs> a black man could be a king in, in puppet land, in Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> A black man could be a cowboy. <laughs> That's the number one problem. At Pee Wee's Playhouse. Well, this show is no good. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, it's cool, man. I just fucking dig everything. I just was really ready to be let down and just be like, man, what the fuck was I watching? And I wasn't. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I think it's really important. <clears throat> it's even more important to... In, in children's programming, to not put 
constraints on it. Like, yeah. to, you really just need to back the fuck off. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think a lot of the issues we have with creating decent entertainment or original entertainment, especially for kids today, is again like the 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 helicopter parenting and all this stuff. You know, it's like. There's some weird, not even weird. But, oh, here's the thing: it's like kids are just—they're just little humans. They're just yeah. young little humans, you know. And like, obviously, there's stuff that's appropriate and not appropriate for them. But like, like when Missy Vaughn sees like the really hunky lifeguard yeah. and like rips off her dress, it's like, you know, that's not, you know, inappropriate at all. But it's like, yeah, you know, and you know, Pee Wee himself is like this very weird, like. Just kind of asexual yeah. being, but yeah, the imagination and the creativity is always foremost. Like you can tell, like I think the only time you see Pee Wee like dislike something is when Knucklehead, the big floating hand with the mouth painted on it, gives a really corny joke, and Pee Wee just looks at the camera like that's lame. <laughs> it's like that's the only thing Pee Wee doesn't like is like unoriginal shit. Like he's so down. He'd be so much down for like a weird thing than some old, uh, unoriginal thing. Okay, personally, I'm not like not crazy about it. it. Only in terms of like what I would want to watch or what I would want to be like. Again, living it, <laughs> but great show and like yeah. obviously worth it and a return on investment and just like a good crazy thing to have on the air. Yeah, for sure. And I think like. If it was something that you like came up with, like if while you were still forming things, mm-hmm. like and you're and you're shown that, like you, they, you might sort of feel different today. Yeah, you know? yeah, that could be true. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I fucking pick it up a million times over, um, as enthusiastically as CBS did. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, man. As a studio guy, I would definitely. Definitely keep uh, keep making these. Like I said, not my not my cup of tea personally, but yeah. like the the values there. Rubens is again again a hell of a performer. Tight wo- rope walk in terms of like you know, be weird but not too weird. Yeah. Be a kid but still an adult, and yeah, hell of a performance. Yeah, I I think I might still like watch some other some more episodes too. Just like. For you know, when there's like nothing else to watch, just yeah. like man, I'm gonna fucking watch some Pee Wee. Yeah, I uh, watch uh, watch the Pee Wee's Big Holiday and let me know what you think. For sure, yeah, uh, I definitely it's definitely one of the things I, w- I want to get to. Yeah, hell yeah, cool. Well, good pick this week, Rich. Thanks, man. That's a very. Uh, I hope you uh, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, not that we have to, but like MVP. Oh yeah, right. Uh, would you have an LVP? LVP for this. Mine would probably be that nosy neighbor lady. That lady. She yeah. just was not a good actor or actress. Actor, actress. She can be whatever she wants to be. She's not good at it. Hmm. Uh, who would I go with? Meh, I don't know. I loved them all. They were fine. They were all, everyone was cool. That's a that's a good one. That neighbor lady. That's a real like again the only like bad person necessarily on there. <laughs> Mrs. Steve. <laughs> uh, 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 Shirley Stoller, as uh, who it was. Also shout to those hippie ass kids. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> those kids were awesome. Yeah, they were. Uh, what are you gonna give me? It's some foil. It's a big ball of foil. Yep. That's it. They got him. He was like, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Shit, man, that's good for me. Yeah, I think that about does it. 
Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. This show wouldn't be possible with you guys, without you guys. Oh, shit. Rich Holy is reacting. Shit. What's going on? That kid in the middle? Uh, the blonde one? Opal? Yeah. That's Natasha Leone. She's American Pie, uh, 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 fucking uh, Orange is the New Black. Okay. Uh, she's the, the one with the really raspy voice, um, like New Yorky sounding. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, so sorry. many stars. So many yeah. stars there. Sorry. Excellent. Yeah. Keep, keep, uh, I bet there's even more. Anyone else jumping out at you is like just one off appearances who went on to be someone huge? I'm 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 looking through right now and yeah. I'm not finding anyone really, but yeah. A lot of people are just pulling like double duty on stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Well again, guys, thanks so much for listening and checking us out. Um this show this show would be possible without you. I mean, we just make it. But it wouldn't be as great if you weren't listening. So we always want to invite you to start a dialogue with us rather than just have us monologue. Uh, we want it to be a dialogue. Um, there's a number of ways you can always reach us. You can email us if you ever need to by emailing pickeduppodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, which is integral to suggesting a show for us. I'll let Rich explain by searching Picked Up Podcast on Facebook. And then finally, our favorite thing, always tweet at us at Picked Up Pod. Like I said, there is a um, there is a step-by-step process for suggesting a show for us. Rich, would you like to let us know? Yeah, uh, leave us a comment, uh, post on our wall at Facebook, uh, letting us know what you'd like us to watch next. And then uh, lock that in. It's the only way that we'll actually watch it mm-hmm. is if you... Leave a review on iTunes. This is very important. And reference that was you, so on and so forth. Let us know. And, uh, and yeah. Yes. It'll it, be put in line. It's like a currency for us. It's important. So please do so. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review us, even if you don't have a pick. It's real important, um, and we really appreciate it. Um, there is a standing offer that if you say something nice about me, Rich, or the podcast, or all of them, that will shotgun a beer. Um, so go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, and you know, you can do that, uh, by getting in touch with us with our personal contacts. Rich, you want to give yours? Uh, Rich Cammy on Twitter, Rich Cammy four on Instagram, garlic, not 44 on Snapchat. Although I haven't been snapping a lot lately cause my outward facing camera has broke. Oh, very yeah. lame. Very and lame. I'm not too big into the selfies. Gotcha. You can find me on Twitter at rbravo, rbravo, on Instagram at real.rob.bravo, and on Snapchat at robpbr. So definitely keep an eye out for us. Um, tune in next week for the elevator pitch where Rich will... Wow, that's a lot right there. Let me give it another <laughs> go. Tune in next week for the elevator pitch where Rich will ditch all the business that you don't need to hear and just give you what the pick will be for next week um until then ooh, that was good yeah oh, ooh. until then thank you so much for listening for myself robert for rich thanks for tuning in to picked up keep your dial tuned to awesome so one-off appearances uh playing a picture phone operator who has a crush on Wee, sandra bernard uh, she was a comedian back in the day and all that stuff. Uh, the authorized conky repairman, J- Johnny Wilson, played by Jimmy Smits. Who? Jimmy Smits. I'm NYPD Blue, West Wing, like last couple seasons. Okay. 
Uh, he was in like some of the earlier. Uh, he was in like the prequel Star Wars. He was like a senator or something like that. I got nothing. Jimmy Smith. I'm sorry, Doc. I don't have anything. Jimmy Smith. If you love him so much, why don't you marry him? Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.